is Twitter. Hey folks, a little something interesting or different today for the, the This Week in Photo discussion. I'm on with my friend Chris Fenwick. Uh, if you have anything to do with Final Cut Pro, you know this guy. He, he's one of those people that knows Final Cut Pro and editing in general from the inside out, backwards and forwards and all that. And he's, you know, we'll, we'll get into that. But Chris reached out to me a couple of, uh, uh, about a week or so ago, and he posed a really interesting question. He was he said, you know, what how do you how do you color balance for darker skin tones? He was having problems with that. And this was this was on the heels of the whole Simone Biles controversy with Andy Leibovitz and you know, all that back and forth of they should have hired a black photographer to shoot her or should the photographers that shot her know her or Annie's people, should they have known how to process and color correct for black skin? So anyway, so we decided to jump on and have this conversation and just talk like, you know, two people that like this stuff and see if there's, you know, a solution or maybe there is no solution. But Chris Fenwick is the he's a lead editor at Slice Editorial. And I'll put the links to all of his stuff in the show notes and the 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 uh, description for this episode on YouTube. But follow him over there. But but check out this discussion. It's pretty it's pretty interesting or it will be pretty interesting from the standpoint of just what's what in the in the real world of color correcting for other humans. All right, <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Starting now. All right, Chris Fenwick, welcome to This Week in Photo, man. How are you doing? Hello, Mr. Johnson. I'm doing well. How are you <laughs> yeah, doing? Yeah, it's good. I'm doing really good. You know what? We were talking before we started recording and... I got I got a page of notes just from chatting just before <laughs> before we started recording. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. What are you doing? Your hands off camera? Uh, no, but always, you know, you're you're a wealth of information and you're humble about it. Obviously, which is why you get invited to speak at conferences and all this other stuff. And you probably have more work than you can deal with. But uh, you know, let's. Uh, I want to segue into that stuff that that I talked about in the tease, the color balancing for darker skin tones, black people, brown people, etc. But before we do that, tell us a little bit about Chris Fenwick and Slice Editorial. What do you do in the world and how are you helping it keep spinning? I don't think I help it keep spinning at all. But, <laughs> you just uh, drag. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's frightening. Uh, no, I, I'm an editor uh, and I tell people this all the time and they say, ooh, fascinating. What do you edit? I go, uh, I edit a bunch of stuff you'd never want to watch. You know, it's, 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 not, that, it's not that exciting. Uh, in the corporate communications and corporate branding space, there is tons of work to do. Most people realize that, um, whether it's you know photography or or video or editorial, like I do. Um, but frankly, most of the stuff I work on, you'd never want to watch. It's not that exciting. As a matter of fact, I think the people that I make it for, uh, you know, they're struggling to get their employees to watch it. You know, <laughs> but but it, but the bottom line is, it's a living. Uh, and I've always said that to satisfy your own creative, you know, thing that you have to do, you're better off. I mean, it's good that I don't rely on my job to do that. And I'll, and I'll tell you that if you, if you try to be, you know, to exude your best, you know, uh, Steven Spielberg or George Lucas, when you're doing my job, you're going to be a pain. Because you're going to have all these great ideas. I'm not saying they're not good ideas, but they're not right for the project that you're working on. And so you're better off 
you're always better off serving the project. And most of the stuff that I do, it's a head and he's talking and there might be a graphic over his shoulder that, you know, ex, you know explains what he's talking about. Yeah. But I don't need seven different angles and, you know, tight close-ups and tension. Like, no, I don't need that. And so yeah. if you want to do that, you should totally do that. But do it on something that you're producing and not that you're trying to get paid for. And it's it's just kind of a pet peeve of mine. You know, you just you keep keep your creative thing to to where it's uh, being asked for. And I, you know, I just churn stuff out. That's what we do. It's not it's not really exciting, but like it's I said, corporate. pays the bills. Corporate video it, pays the bills. You know, keeps keeps the keeps the earth spinning. That keeps the earth spinning right there. That's I mean, absolutely absolutely. And I'll tell you, three uh, four days after Governor Newsom shut down the state of California where we're based, um, we were in production. And we were in production because um, I kind of reminded everybody that we work with, especially in the office, that our core competency is to help people disseminate information. That's what we do. We help people communicate. And even during a pandemic, people have to communicate. And so we came up with some workflow ways to do that. And I've talked about that on other shows. And I'm happy to talk about it here, but it's not what we really came to talk about. But but we were I was working on Tuesday and I delivered my first uh client video before the week was up, you know? So wow. we're just yeah, disseminating information. And I wanna I wanna talk about just how this whole the lockdown and you know, the 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 increased emphasis on dis- distance learning and distance work and all this stuff is affecting people like you, like, like sit in an edit bay and do stuff like I want to doesn't affect the an questions. editor at all. Not one. Right. Bit. You're already a, a, a veal. I'm very in used a veal to working box, by right? myself in a dark room. <laughs> yes, it's fine. Yes. As a matter of fact, there was a meme that came out in the first week and I was like, editor pre-COVID, editor after COVID. <laughs> same dude sitting at the same, same computer. Same dude. Probably the same dude, but with more annoyances of people coming over his shoulder, door. over his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's it's, let's switch gears, uh, and I want to get into that stuff of of you know what the world looks like pre and post uh, for someone like you that's doing high end and corporate editing and professional level in the editing bay type stuff. But on the topic of of skin tone, how does that how has that affected you over the years in terms of trying to balance for that? I'm sure you've had thousands of different shades of people come through your computer. Like, it's how do super you, interesting. Uh, what does it look like? It's super interesting. You know, this first really um, <clears throat> became an issue to me about, I'm going to say it was, a, I don't know, six or eight years ago. And I was working on a piece that was, uh, it, it was m- multiple interviews with a bunch of uh, software programmers. And in this, and by the way, can we just, <clears throat> can we just say, I'm white, you're black, they're Indian. I, I don't want to, I don't want to chase chase a bunch of special words or die. I don't know what the proper words are anymore. Those I'm old fine, enough man. that Those I'm old enough that I've used them all. <laughs> but um, so we're. I was doing this piece, and all these guys were Indian programmers. Okay, and I don't mm-hmm. know why they just happened to be have very long names that I couldn't pronounce. And so I cut I cut the piece, and I. We're at the color stage. So I go to the, and the way I would typically work is I'll go to the first instance of the first guy and I diddle and fiddle and push and pull and three way color corrector. And it's like, okay, yeah, that looks good. Then you go to the next guy 
and you diddle and fiddle and you push and pull and three-way color correcting. Okay, yeah, he looks good. And then you do the same thing with the third guy. And then you start comparing them and you're like, okay, okay. And then I apply the color correction to every clip of guy one and every clip of guy two and every clip of guy three. And I go back and I start watching the piece and it's awful. Mm. It looked mm. horrible. And I, like, I almost Just wanted to like, like throw... Horrible in what way? What was the, what was the horror? They didn't look human anymore. Okay. They didn't, yeah, it didn't horrible. look right. And ultimately that's what we want to do is we want to make something look aesthetically pleasing, but also not draw attention to itself. So what was that? I mean, was it was it the horror? I mean, what, why was it so off? And would you have seen, had the same experience with white people or lighter? So that's people? the real question, Frederick. So mm, yeah, I I realized, and and that day, so that day, I pulled all the color correction off the piece, and I did it again. I started from scratch, and I got to the end, and I still didn't like it. And then I'm googling how to color correct Indian skin tones. And I didn't find anything. And, and I was like, what is wrong? What is the problem? And what I came up with, the best I could come up with, was that somewhere in my own personal psyche, this white boy from Chicago was just trying to make everybody look like him. Yeah. And, and I, I wasn't consciously doing it. And frankly, that realization really didn't come to me for, for years. But... Yeah. But it would, I struggled with it. And, I, and I, I didn't literally say, why does this man not look Caucasian? It wasn't like that. Right, right. Yeah. But there was – Your brain some, was like, this is what skin tone – my brain is saying this is skin tone. Let's try to get it close to that. Right? Yeah. That's, that's where it was going. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. And then soon after that, I was walking through an airport. And, and I'm going to have you do a little Google test here. Do, do you have enough screen real estate that you can open up a couple of Google windows while, while we're doing this? I cannot. I don't have that. I don't have that level of technology. Okay. Well, you're gonna you're gonna have to just bear <laughs> with me and just just use your imagination. Use your imaginary okay. head. So, I was walking through an well, airport. Actually, I could I could bring up a screen. Give me a URL. I'll bring it up. Um, it's called um, Google. G O O. Okay. Well, give me a search term. Smart ass. Search for fifty cent vibe. And then click on the little image tab and just look at all the different photos. Okay. So all I'm right. walking through I'm walking through an airport and I go by a newsstand and this image on the cover of Vibe magazine. Now it's one where he's wearing a, a baseball cap and I noticed it out of the corner of my eye and it was striking. It was like really uh, we used the term earlier. It was emotional. And I walked yeah. over and I picked it up and I was like, "Why do I like this image?" Now now don't necessarily try and find that image. I just want you to look at all the different images of 50 Cent when you search okay. for 50 Cent Vibe. No, and and this image, it was striking. Now, one of the things they did, okay, it's the number two image there. So the number two, the, now one of the things they did is, you know, they they overly whitened his eyes. And, you know, he's, he's trying to look like a tough guy and, you know, whatever. Yep. But look at his skin tone. It has this kind of, I'll call it a plus blue feel to it. Okay. Do you see it in the blacks? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. You see what I mean? Now, if you go back, and I think that's part of what I what I found really striking. So, if you go back to the the page that had a bunch of images, go go back a couple of pages, and you look at all of the different images that pop up right here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In my estimation, again, white boy from Chicago, 
um, I see a lot of different colors. Mm-hmm. The one over on the side XX with where it says Curtis, he looks a little more yellow there. The the initial one, it's definitely plus blue in the blacks. Um, the upper right corner of the main field, he's a little bit okay. more orange. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the color temperatures are all over the place. Right. Now, some of that is art direction. I get it. Maybe it's the people working on it. I don't know. I don't know 100%. Okay, leave that tab open. Make a new tab. And I want you to search for a different person. Okay. Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh-oh. The whitest of all people ever. <laughs> Pfeiffer. There's a P in Pfeiffer. P, how do you spell her last name? P, P-F, it'll, it, if it doesn't autofill, your computer's broken. P, uh, P-F-I, yeah. uh, there's, really, it I'm won't autofill something? No, look at that. Oh, man. Let's see, if what? I spell it wrong, will Google fix me? There we go. Got okay, uh, no, not, not Wikipedia. Go to, uh, click on the image tab. Up toward the top, bingo. Yep. In my estimation, and maybe again, maybe it's just this white boy from Chicago. Most of those pictures look about the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now, and that's the thing with skin that, tone, right? I, I don't know if that yeah. means that most people that put images on the internet uh, identify with Michelle Pfeiffer, or maybe they're white. I don't know. But I think it part of it is an unregistered and meaning almost subliminal. Uh, racial bias. Um, I also think that some of it might be technology, and I'd love to get your opinion on it. Have you ever I noticed? Think I, I I agree, and I you know some things some things came to mind while you were while you were talking about that. I think um, well, there's multiple layers here, right? Because one right. layer is it's completely subjective, right? Absolutely. Because it's color correction and it's completely subjective from a brain standpoint also from a biology standpoint we all have different numbers of rods and cones in our eyes so we see and perceive color differently your red is not my red and we can't we will never know what your red is and you'll never know what my red is right <laughs> unless we can figure out how to swap eyes for some for some reason so there's that and then there's the technological side of it i think where you know, it's computers, right? All computers are rendering colors differently and the displays are different. You don't know if they're on a phone or a tablet or on a TV screen. Colors are all over the place. And then also, you know, back to the biology piece of it, there's an infinite number, literally, I would argue, an infinite number of gradations between the darkest black person and the lightest skinned black person or the, 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 Irish zero melanin person all the way through to the tan Italian that can pass for black. Right. So how do you, yeah, the Sicilian, how do you as the editor pick one, right? Right. With all those variables out there, how do you pick? It's impossible. And I I honestly think that some of it, some of it is an unregistered uh, and maybe, you know, maybe just a racist pick you know, whatever. But, but I think most of the time it's like this unregistered racial bias. And I, and, and I think that that was part of my problem with these Indian guys. Like, I think, I think, I think somewhere inside, I was just trying to make them look more like me. 
and they You're should like, you not look better have. if you were a little lighter how do i make you a little lighter <laughs> right. something's still wrong how do i get you more light you know yeah yeah no i get it yeah and that's a that's a bias right even if it's you know, subconscious i know you thing. and your i know where your brain is and it's not there right so i'm like your brain is trying to like figure out what looks good for the client that's what your job is at the end of the day. How do I make the best work I can for, for this client? And how do I make these people look their best? That's where your brain is going. But there's, you don't have a, you don't have a, I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, you don't have a grounding or anybody has a grounding in what the correct, if there is a correct skin tone for anybody. And okay, my skin tone changes daily, Chris. Like if I go out, if I go outside and spend some time in the sun. I'm gonna come back in a shade darker than I am right now, <laughs> right, just like right, you right, would. Right. I was <laughs> so. super sunburned over the weekend. So, um, th there now there is there is a, something to this. Are you familiar? Uh, you know what a, a a video waveform monitor looks like. You know oh, what a histogram yeah. looks like, of course. Absolutely. You know what yeah. the parade scopes, and yeah. you. I know you're familiar with a vector scope. Yeah. Are you familiar? I know with what the these things are. I you, don't know are, how to use them. Do you, do you, <laughs> Okay, that's a whole nother episode. On a vector scope, going from the center of the vector up to about uh, ten o'clock, there's a, there will be, and it's there in Photoshop or uh, 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 Final Cut. If you open it up, you'll see a line, and that line is called the flesh tone line. Hmm. And I am told by people much smarter than me that regardless of race. All flesh tone roughly lands on that on that line. Okay. So you just said, you know, th th there's no technical reason. Well, there, there kind of is. I mean, and sometimes that I line, do that. Though? Like that, that's you got to you got to rewind. Probably a white like, guy who, from Chicago who came up with that line. <laughs> it's like the founding fathers came up with that line, right? <laughs> Maybe like, that's my that's been my these problem. These are the all acceptable along. flesh tones, you know. <laughs> it's those guys yeah, up but on we Mount don't Rushmore. Know. They invented the flesh tone line in a vector scope. <laughs> exactly it reminds me of like uh, what's what are those uh, those really expensive headset mic microphones? That, oh, there's you a know, bunch like, of use it TPAs. No, the Countrymen. other ones. Uh, Countrymen. Yeah, I remember a couple years ago I was going to buy a Countryman microphone and i'm looking on their side you know you can buy them in skin tones right? why you got this pink thing on your face boy <laughs> i know but they had one they had uh they had skin they had that for i think they've changed it since but they had one that was called skin tone and then they had one uh, the the darker one was called mocha <laughs> So you could get you get a get actual skin tone or mocha. Who picked that word? Was it a white guy or a black guy? I don't know. I was like, I guess a mocha. It's the same people that created band-aids, probably. So these are these are problems I haven't had, I will admit. I will admit. <laughs> exactly. The band-aids were kind of made for my people. No, exactly. It's, I'm like, it, why why is this band-aid so contrasty? I have no so idea. So let me ask you, is is there anything that you do when you're processing photos yeah. when you're looking at um, flesh tones. Is there anything that you do that that you find yourself shaping the way somebody looks? Would you? I, no, not this way. not. Would you have gone as plus blue on that fifty cent photo? Because I gotta um, say, I, to to this day, I still think that's a striking photo. Yeah, yeah. On that pick. I think, well, you know, Chris, you got to also, it, it, 
it's not all about accuracy. You know, let's be honest, right? right? At, at a certain point, the photographer is taking creative license and he's trying to evoke a mood. And this, in the case of 50 Cent here, look at his face, right? He's trying to be tough and hard and unapproachable in that shot. And he's coming, he's but, doing it really but well. beautiful white eyes. <laughs> but yeah, he's very healthy. He drinks lots of water, but he's pissed off, right? So, <laughs> so you know, so, it, you know, half of it is you're not going for Look at all these shots on this. This is this is the photographer or the, the whoever's putting these pieces together. This is them saying, I'm going for a mood like this one in the upper right here. I want it looking like, you know, Los Angeles on a very polluted day. You know, it's that <laughs> that kind of look or, you know, you make those decisions. I, you, you know, back to your question about me and and how I make these kinds you of do. decisions. If I'm if I'm working on somebody, you know, it's. 90% of the time, 100%, it's going to be subjective, right? And I'm not trying to say, okay, this person's skin tone on the day that I shot them looked like this, and this is the perfect tone for them. If I need that level of accuracy, I'll put a, I'll put a Grey Tag Macbeth color chart in there, sure. and then I can, you know, I can start there at least and then take creative license from there. But for the most part, I'm eyeballing it, man. You know, it's like, you know, I... I and and I don't think these like we were talking about before we started recording, like with the Simone Biles thing. I don't know that the argument against Annie Leibovitz and or her post production team. Let's say it wasn't Annie. Annie pulled the trigger. Post production team did the editing. Um, I don't know that we would have been having this discussion if the pictures of Simone Biles came out fantastic and nobody had any complaints. There would been there would have been no. Hey, you know, this is racist and, you know, you should have hired a black photographer to do that. I don't know that the discussion would have went there if the photos looked fantastic. I think people had a problem with the photos and then rewinded back and said, well, who shot the photos? Oh, well, you should have had somebody black do it. Right. I think at the end of the day, not speaking for Simone Biles, if I was an Olympic athlete, I would want the best freaking picture of me possible to go on the cover of Vogue. And how do you sure. do that? Annie Leibovitz is available. I want Annie to shoot my stuff, right? So I don't know. I think it's a zeitgeist of where the where the country is or the world or more specifically the country is right now. And it's driving that level of, of uh, nitpicking conversation. I don't know. What do you think? Well, were the pictures... So, so if you do the search, Annie Leibovitz, Simone Biles, uh, there's, the, there's the cover with her giant back and then there's also one where she's like flying through the air there's one where she's kicking above the the word vogue um was there one or two pictures in particular or was it the entire um the the entire shoot that people had issue with i you know i didn't read all the stories about which ones people had issues with but i think it was ones like you know this shot right here, right? Yeah. She just, just looks horrible, right? And she's a very pretty girl. She has good skin. Look at her over here. She, she looks great. Uh, and this shot, when you look at it, she looks like she just got up, right? It, it looks like there was no stylist. Her her gym, her gym suit is going up her ass over here. She They could have pulled that down. There's. It doesn't look like there was a lot of, Thought. I don't know. You know, I'm not Annie hey. Leibovitz. Yeah, it, it I think looks, the one that bothers it, me the most is the one where she's flying through the air in like a dancer's pose. It just looks no, super one. dark and, mm-hmm. and and again, that's like 
yes, Chris, white man, she is a black woman in front of a gray wall. I don't it's think gonna, so. I, I mean, think, you know, this one is clearly somebody made decisions on what they were going to do with this shot, right? So this is, let's do this outdoor shot. Let's let's skew it towards cyan, you know? It, it, we have supercomputers at our disposal, right? So they could have brought the shadows up. They could have done anything they wanted to do this shot. They chose to do it like this. So who, you know, so I, I have to call artistic license. I have to call that they meant to do this. I don't think this was an accident, you know, yeah. whether it was right or wrong. This somebody, this was intentional, you know, and I don't, and when I say it's intentional, I don't think it was intentional, intentionally biased or racist. So let's make Simone Biles look like shit. You know, I think it was more, you know, uh, let's try something different. Let's make her look like this. Let's make it look kind of mysterious or whatever. And they failed, you know, for the most you part. Do you think the story was completely exacerbated by all the political stuff going on? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like I said, I don't think this this story. Well, a if the if the images had been fantastic and beyond reproach, then we would have just been continuing to celebrate Simone Biles. But unfortunately, they and came Andy out Lieber. like this. And Andy Leibovitz, yeah, yeah, but you know the shoot was about Simone, so I think you know they would have been like, "Wow, look at all these accomplishments that Simone Biles has done, overcoming abuse, and you know, yada yada yada." It would have been about that. Instead, unfortunately, the conversation because of the zeitgeist in the nation got switched over to, you know, should have had a black photographer on this, you know, and all that. So I don't, I don't think if this had, if this shoot had happened a year ago, we would have been having this conversation about it. So, so, but, but the other side of it, Chris, is we are here, right? We are here having this, you know, you can't, you don't have a time machine. So this is where we are. And this is the earth. This is, uh, this is the point in time when we have to deal with what is thrown at us. So it's the reality. You can't say, well, if this had been 10 years ago, then this A, B, and C wouldn't have happened. That's like saying, if I had worn a condom, she wouldn't have got pregnant, right? But you didn't, and she is. So, so we got to yeah. move forward with our decisions. So, but like Annie's got a long history of amazing portraits. Clearly, there's a few black people she shot over the years. Mm -hmm. Did any yeah. of those get as much? Be, not that you know, I, uh, not scrutiny? we should do some research on that. Yeah, I, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. So, so at yeah. this, to a certain degree, I, this is, this is, you know, when we talked about doing this interview, I said, just, just make sure you have my back to a certain degree. <laughs> I think that, I think that a lot of this is just ridiculously overblown and it's, and if it had happened 10, 20 years ago or 10, 20 months from now, yeah. I think the discussion would be a hundred percent different. I agree. I agree. I don't. Yeah. I don't think they're good photos. I don't think it's mm -hmm. a it's a racial coup either. Right. Yeah. I, I, yeah I would exactly. be interested to see has has Annie come come out and tried to justify any of these. Well, oh, let me tell you what I was doing, what I was going for. Or is she just like mm -hmm. whoop? She noped out and said, "No, nope, I'm going to just hide in my uh, house here till all this crap blows over." I haven't seen any statements or anything, but my guess mm -hmm. would be. Uh, if it were me, I would have just, you know, it's an artist, right? That'd be like Maplethorpe or somebody explaining their work, right? Or, you know, it's like, I did the shoot. I like my shots. You hired me. You paid me $70 million to do the shoot or whatever she got paid. You know, I did it, you know, and now it's sparking controversy. On one hand, you know, if you take a playbook out of Roger Stone's, 
<laughs> book. You know, any publicity is good publicity. So we're talking about her work. We are talking. Never and, heard of. I had never heard of Simone Biles until you pointed this out to me. Really? Oh, like yeah. Like we, see. you and I, were talking about having this conversation, and you go, "Oh, yeah, that's a great conversation, especially what's going with what's going on with Simone Biles." I'm like, "Excuse me." You you don't have a seven year old daughter that's in gymnastics though, right? No, I do not. <laughs> a seven year old black daughter that's in gymnastics. So just Simone I, Biles is is the Steve Jobs of gymnastics. How dare right? you presume that I don't have a black daughter? I'm guessing. I'm guessing. I think you're you being might. kind of racist right now. <laughs> you might have a hidden one somewhere, Chris Fenwick. I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying. So, you said I was supposed to have your back. I'm trying to keep you covered. So here. moving forward, what? Yeah. What do we do? What do you, uh, before we move forward, have you ever had issues? And again, this is just, I'm turning the table on you. Have Bring you it. ever had issues where you had images of a white person or an Indian person or somebody who doesn't fall into the same, you know, vector as you, as your mm -hmm. skin tones, where you had troubles making it look good? No, and that's a really good question. I have so then not. It's just me. Wonderful. Great. No, it's not. It's it's <laughs> not. But think of it. Think of it like this. Like zoom out a little bit and think of it more from a thirty thousand foot standpoint. So when, like, if you lay over, if you put an overlay of demographics on this stuff, I probably well, you know, I don't know. It might be fifty fifty, but it's it's more balanced in my brain towards my own skin tone, right? Because I've shot, I probably shot more. Let's say photographed. I probably photographed more <laughs> black people than you have. <laughs> so I don't know what you do in your spare time, Chris Finley. Uh, but I, yeah, I probably photographed more black people than you have. But I remember going when I was in the military in the Air Force and learning photography. I remember the training on color correcting was biased towards Caucasian skin. And I didn't, I didn't notice that it was like, we would get test prints to print and most of the, you know, in the, in the color lab, you know, cause we're on, remember those things called enlargers. So yeah. we, were, we were on enlargers color correcting and learning how to color correct and do all this stuff. And you know, the test prints were generally of, you know, there were a lot of them were just, you know, the, you know, the picture of the cornucopia of fruit and flowers and the different colors and you got to try to match it. You know, it was that. But the portraits were generally white people. You know, there was some, you know, dark skin in there or black people or brown people. But it, for the most part, it was like, OK, you got to you got to spend some time getting this shot right. And we didn't think too, you know, it was nothing malicious. It was like, here's a stack of stuff. Just go through it. And in order for you to go on to the next right. level, you got to color correct these shots. And your boss has to look at them, make sure they're good. And you can go to the next level. Boom. So, yeah. you know, maybe there was that inherent bias in, in mm -hmm. my upbringing. And then the superpower for me came from also being black, right? So now I know how to color correct you. And I know what I look like. So I can do everybody, right? <laughs> so... So, what is it? I mean, it is a little interesting. You say probably about half of the fo photographs you've taken are of black people. So that's skewing, you know, four times the the national, um, you know, proportions. Yeah. And definitely, mm -hmm. I, you know, and I, half of the photographs I've taken have not been black people. That was a good guess. Um, yeah. But it, I, you know, and. Maybe this maybe this whole discussion is just me seeing my own biases, you know, mm -hmm. 
but mm-hmm. it is interesting. I, I will say when I saw that, that 50 cent image, like I started, like if I, if I was grading a shot that you were this shot that I'm looking at now, I would definitely grab the, um, the blacks and push them a little blue. You know, I I do a little. Oh no, you have controls. I do. Well, let's let's color correct me live right now. Okay. Oh, is that a good idea? (laughs) Let's. (laughs) Have you changed anything? I'm bringing up my temperature. Can you see that? Is it is oh, it changing on your side? Oh, you know what? It's not changing on your side because you're in Skype. It's changing in Ecamm. You can't see it. Oh, okay. So the people that are watching this saw it go really warm for a second, then I put it back. So, yeah. But it, but now, and, and you're familiar with the whole, you know, orange teal controversy, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And Sorry, the and, overused and nature of it in Hollywood. Yeah. Totally, totally. Especially if you're Michael Bay. But um. Right. Yeah, but I mean that's that's obviously an example where something is done for you know. Um, well, I will say this: uh, this look, pink face, green wall, or I can go. Hold on, hey, can I get your opinion? Yeah, bring it. So I got pink face, green wall, or I got. Hold on. Boom. Nope, not what I want to be on. Well, see, now you're just showing. Yeah, for the fuels that are listening to this audio, Chris Fenwick is on screen showing off that he has colored lights behind him on the wall that he can control. Well, no, what I want to know is do you like the blue <laughs> or the green better? Because somebody. Uh, I think I like the blue better because of the flag back there. And it, Ooh, yeah, and good it point, makes, good point, you, good point. makes you pop better. Yep. So, but the whole point of that is, is what I, the reason I did that is for the color contrast, mm-hmm. right? And. Yes, you can have brightness contrast, duh. Um, mm-hmm. For example, I would I would have encouraged you to buy a chair that didn't go up to your head and wasn't black, because I then know. your your head would pop against the the off white wall back there. I know, like this, like this, yeah, right. Yeah, that chair's massive, dude. What it are you is, doing? This is a that gamer's thing? chair. This is a gamer's Whatever. chair. Come on. What are you old? This is a gamer's yes. chair. Yes, I am. <laughs> but like the no, alternative. This was here, a gift. Thank you. So, you know, I have to use it. So, <laughs> so the ar- alternative here is if I lose all the color, and this oh. is, you know, it's not horrible, but I like the color contrast, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think I like the blue glow better. It looks, it looks, it makes you pop out instantly. It's, it's much better. I think the comment about the flag is a good one too. It does uh-huh. feel yeah. a, a bit more patriotic. Absolutely. I make that, I made this yeah. 14 piece of wood. It, it, every one of those stripes is separate. Oh, look at that. You made that. So you have a wood just, you know, we're completely off topic, but you made, you have a woodworking shop. Yeah. 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 It's been, is it just it's, like a hobby ever since or I, are you making? Ever since I moved out to Sacramento uh, and I had a garage for the first time in my life at 55 years old or whatever, 54 years old, I was at the night we got the keys to the house of standing in the garage and I was like, this is <laughs> going to be fun. Cause I mean like in junior high, I was all about wood shop, but I've lived in apartments yeah. and, uh, and uh, condos ever since. So, yeah, I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. So I, you know, renewed a, a, a hobby from a long, long time ago. That's and cool. it's been, it's been a lot cool. of fun. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, totally my, uh, No, no, it's totally cool. You're just shooting the breeze. My, uh, I had a, you know, obviously most of us or a lot of us took wood, wood shop, 
right, in high school. So I did that. And I remember being bitten by the whittling bug for like two summers. Really? Because right? I, I remember seeing this. Maybe it was my grandfather or somebody. I remember them taking a piece of wood and just like sitting on the front porch and, you know, messing with it. And then suddenly he had this figurine, you know, I'm like, you made that with just a knife and a piece of wood. I want to do that. So, you know, so how I old were you out. at that time? I want to say maybe 12, like 12 ish in that yeah. range, 12, 13, probably. So, yeah. That's and a, I still love that stuff. I still love the idea of boy taking a block cut of wood. Off with a knife. I totally did. I totally, I'd got some deep slices. You know, I got deeper slices in my finger from um, cutting mats for photos. <laughs> yeah, right. I slit, I slit the tip of this finger off like diagonally right there. Just, just didn't even know. I'm like, what's all this red stuff on my mat? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it didn't go to the bone. It didn't go to the bone and it grew back. So, you know, it wasn't that bad, but it was, yeah, it was like six to 12 weeks of, you know, remembering my error and i never did that i never did that again you know much more respect for mat cutting gear after that trust me right 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 so so let's wrap this up man so what 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 where do we get to so is it like from a technical standpoint like we said at the beginning you can't you're not gonna ever be 100 percent accurate on color right because of biology rods and cones because of technology every display is different uh it's all subjective so is there should there be a re-examining of the human color palette and then we come up with like a standard you know that's not that founding father line you talked about (laughs) yeah the thing for me, it's it's worth looking into. Look at yeah. look at your flesh on on yeah. on a vectorscope in Final Cut. I, I'll come over yeah. and I'll teach you how to, to read this. Yeah, please, please. Um, uh, I think the thing for me was the realization. It was the education. You know, I learned more, and I learned from these anecdotal events. You know, the the one editing project, which I found to be very difficult, and the striking you know, 50 cent photo. And I think Mm -hmm. that, I think that for me to know that that is a possibility to know that, mm, do I need to be more, uh, more objective and, and realize that I might be pushing something the wrong direction. I might be exude, uh, exerting my own racial bias on something. You know, mm-hmm. just because I look at myself in the mirror every day doesn't mean everybody should look like me, right? Yeah. And yeah. so knowing that that's a thing, and and obviously it is. If you if I'd had this discussion with you decades ago, I would say no, of course not. But and yet again, I totally screwed up. I totally yeah. screwed this up. And so having that experience, I'm much more careful as I push and pull things. You know. Yeah. Because color yeah. correction is a is a is a dangerous beast, it really is. It's a, and it's, I, and in, it's an imperfect science, right? And the and I know, you know, I, I barely know what a LUT is, so you know, I'm not the guy to be the the expert on color correcting. Um, but I do know, like we were saying, I do know it's subjective. And in your line of work, especially if you're doing predominantly corporate work, you know, they want they want at least probably more accuracy or let's say you have less 
creative freedom and liberty than you would if you were creating a Michael Bay film, right? The other the other thing is is that in a in a corporate environment, you're editing a video starring a person that quite possibly a lot of people in that company actually know who they are. Like, whoa. Right. They've seen him. They have a reference. What, they've seen him in the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not what he looks like. Well, yeah. what the hell? Who's <laughs> you that know? editor? Who's that editor? Does that editor yeah. work for Annie Leibovitz? Like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going down. I'm going down. <laughs> no, I just, I think it, it's, it's a super interesting. And there's one last thing, and I realize we're kind of wrapping up here, and I wanted to mention no, this earlier, good. but um, for decades now, especially in the broadcast television world and and lines have blurred now with cinema cameras and whatnot and such. But for a long time, there was a sort of a general understanding that, and and maybe I'm remembering this wrong, but I think I, I don't think I am in the Sony world, their cameras tended to be a little bit plus green. Maybe a little mm-hmm. plus blue, but definitely you would always pull everything back. Now, in today's day and age, that would that would indeed be a LUT, you know, a lookup table where you say, I know the color value is coming in at this, but I really want you to show it to me at this. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's all a lookup table is, right? Yeah, you yeah. were being facetious. You know what a LUT yeah, yeah, is. Yeah, don't, I was. I know what they are. I know what they are. Don't try and don't do that crap with me. But um, I use them all the time. Right. But in but that was a common thing. It's like, oh, a little too green, you know, a little too bluey green that direction. Yeah. Was that a technology thing? Was that a racial thing on behalf of Sony being a Japanese company? Mm, right. Right. Do, yeah, do, I don't, I, do Japanese people, did Japanese people just look better on Sony cameras? I don't know. Interesting. You remember there was that, was it Sony or one of those larger camera companies was under fire a couple of years ago, I want to say, for their, you know, their uh, face detection technology that was less accurate on dark skin than it was on light skin. Oh, that's right. Remember, remember that? Remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think yeah. it was just there, there wasn't uh, as much contrast as they had uh experimented with or you know tested or it's just bad code i think that's it's just bad code and what was the other thing uh yeah the other controversy was around ai and ai bias you know because you have you know artificial intelligence that's making decisions uh based on skin tone or not on skin tone and if and yeah the discussion was i think the discussion was around um machine learning and Elon Musk and self-driving cars and that. You remember that? So I was I talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the car making decisions on who's who and, and how to react in a situation and whose life to save. If it's, you know, it's, oh it's deep, man. We're like, it's Skynet level deep at that point. It's getting and it's there, scary because it? it's real. It's scary. Like if you have a, here's, here's a hypothetical, Chris. Finway. So here's a, you got a self-driving car. You got a Tesla. And it's a that white man you know, and a black like, man run out in front of you. Which one do I? And there's only enough room yeah. for me to, to. But you have an AI that's been programmed by someone who's racist. It, but you didn't know that they were racist. And oh. you're driving that car. And it's got to make the decision on whose life is worth more. <laughs> like, should I be your left or should I be your right? Or, you know, maybe it's ageist. 
an old person versus young He's person. He's lived a great life. Or sexist, that guy sexist woman versus man. Which, who gets run over, right? Or do you have multiple markers? Oh, it's a black woman versus a white man. Let's run All over the black woman. All you're doing is making me never <laughs> want to leave the house again. <laughs> Just say it. It's technology. You cannot stop it. You cannot stop it. It's, it's and it's those. I think the point is those kinds of details and nuances are being figured out right now as we speak, and we won't know about them for decades. Maybe you and I won't care because we'll be on the front porch drooling. But you know, in a couple of decades, these decisions so. that they're coding today are gonna govern what happens in the future, in, right? In the summer of 1986, I was working at a TV station in the Bay Area. And we had a corporate client, Hewlett Packard, come in. And they rented six weeks of studio time. And all they wanted was, uh, I want to say chalkboard, maybe it was a whiteboard. I can't remember if whiteboards were a thing in 1986. Three cameras, a dude standing there with a lob, and we had a stack of 60-minute U-matic, you know, three-quarter-inch tapes. Mm -hmm. And for eight hours a day, we'd stick a tape in, hit record, fade up on camera one, cue the guy, and he would say, and I, re I will remember this name till the day I die. He said, hello, my name is Vipin Kumar, and today we will talk about and from that point on, I did not recognize any words that he said. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he was talking about artificial intelligence in 1986. Oh, wow. And, and I, I think I've done a little bit of looking into it. And I think he's like one of the foremost you know, AI people ever or one of the first or whatever. But we were talking about artificial intelligence in 1986. And this yeah. guy would talk. And like five minutes before the end of the, the tape running out, we'd show him five minutes and he'd go oh, and finish up something. And then, and then we'd wrap him up and he'd go, we will be back with another video. Fade to black. <laughs> okay, put another tape in. I'm ready to go. Like, wow. and eight hours a day for six weeks we did this. And this guy uh, was just unloading his brain with everything yeah. he knew about artificial intelligence at the time. It's scary, man. It is scary. Like, yeah. There's so much there's so much stuff that is changing right now, even in software. I mean, you're you're as intimate as everybody I know with software and how things work and the, the limitations and all that cool that all that good and bad stuff. But I, I did this interview uh, mid last year with one of the chief artificial intelligence architects at Skyloom Software. And, you know, we were talking, I think it was the latest release of Skyloom where they had introduced some AI feature and we we're talking about that feature. But at the end of the interview, I asked him where things are going. What does the future look like? Like far, far down the line, <clears throat> when you, <clears throat> excuse me, when you let AI off the chain, what does it look like? And he said he envisions a world and this is apparently being tested now, but where you could sit in front of your computer and say like Chris Fenwick could say, yes. Um, I need a beach with a blue sky, maybe two or three wispy clouds in the sky. Uh, there's a V formation of seagulls flying to the southeast. There's a beautiful woman laying on the beach. She's brunette. She has on a red bikini and she has a fruity drink next to her. And there are three other people walking along the waterline in the distance. Make it. <laughs> and it'll just listen to yeah. you and create that scene 
for you, then you could go in and manipulate it and say, well, yeah, the water, the tide's out a little further and it'll move the tide out, you know? So what happens then? There's a couple examples of that. Number one, have you ever seen the movie um, Wag the Dog? Uh, I feel like I've seen that. Dustin I, mean, I don't recall it though. Uh, is it like one of those government conspiracy? Um, it's really uh, kind of. It's really more about how in the modern era we probably shouldn't trust the news. Um, oh yeah, you think the the story is uh, the president is about to be reelected. We're weeks away from the election and a bit of bad news comes out and they hire Dustin Hoffman to come in to manufacture a news event to distract the, the public away from the, this bad thing that happened. And uh, mm -hmm. ju we just have to distract people for a couple of weeks. And it's a fascinating movie. But there's a scene in that where they're doing kind of what you're saying. This woman, this young girl, played by Kirsten Dunst, by the way, is on a soundstage, and it's all blue. And it, and Dustin Hoffman is in the control room. He goes, let's put a village behind her. Mm, more, maybe something more uh, shot up, like distracted. Oh, yeah, opening scene. Thank you. Yeah. Um, great movie. Great, great yeah, movie. I'm going to put this on the who's list. Who's the guy in the beard again? I'm drawing a blank. Dustin Hoffman and that guy. Uh, I gotta, I gotta see. I can't see him. He had his face in. Yeah. So anyway, they, him, they, they come up with this, this scheme to distract the news for a couple of weeks until the election. But the scene you're talking about, where, you know, it's like, well, let's, let's. They, they give her a bag of chips. Why do I have a bag of chips? They're gonna replace it in post, and it's all fanciful. Put a cat in her arm. How about a calico? Maybe something with longer hair. And the guy's just going through a menu going click, click, click. Okay, that'll do. Boop, boop. And then all of a sudden it looks like she's holding a cat. The, the, the wow. Lay's potato chips are gone. None of this is true. None of this is true. But It's um, the future. You know what's scary? Have you heard of a piece of software called Descript or Descript? No. going to ruin the rest of your day if you haven't. <clears throat> so Descript, you, Chris Fenwick, we need, you need to go dive into this app. It's, I think they have a free trial. Go play with it. And then you and I need to circle back and have a discussion about it. So this is what these guys, this, they do. They could take this conversation that I'm recording right now, import it into Descript software. It will analyze and create a transcript from our video. Okay, yes. And a timeline with a waveform at the bottom. But at the top, it is a like a Word document. You go in, if you hit play, you see each word highlighted as we speak. You can then go in and edit those words like you're editing a Word document and it edits the, the video based on your Word edits. So you but it's can, not change, it's smart it's enough. It's not changing any words that I say, right? Oh, wait. Uh, wait a minute. So you can, <laughs> it gets better. You can go in and say, like, I have this thing where, I, you know, I know I say, you know, all the time, you know, or um. So you could train it that whenever you see those, just go ahead and remove all that. You're instantly smarter at that point, right? But it also has this feature in there called overdub, where you train it for a half an hour on your voice and it can then generate your voice. So you could go in and say, say you did a corporate video and you the person misspoke the price 
like 15 times in there and the price of the product should have been $5,000 and they kept saying $50,000. You could go in and just in the text, change it to $5,000. Now that person is saying $5,000 correctly throughout the text, or you can feed it. But what's it doing with my lips when I, when my lips are doing multiple, multiple syllables, but my voice is now only doing one. It's not changing your lips. So your lips are going to be wrong, but the audio will be right. And it will sound like you because it's generating Chris Fenwick sounds. So, but then, you know, they did a webinar yesterday. And one of the questions I chimed in on that, uh, you know, interestingly didn't get answered was, what about this deep fake technology? (laughs) So we've got deep fakes where you can make people look like other people. And now we can make, we can put words literally in people's mouths can't you put yet chocolate in this peanut butter and destroy the world? Right. Can't we say, you, you know, you, you know, a politician could. and destroy a politician's life or in before people figure it out, the damage is done. Right. It's that scary. And we're only in 2021, 2020 right now as we record this. So, the, you know, 2025, 2030, when this stuff is really mature and computers are quantum and, Things are ridiculous. What does it look like? You can't. You talk about fake news now. Yeah. At least we we can call BS on fake news now. Imagine when you need to have technology forensics to look at footage and certify it. I think one of the things that's going to be that's that people are going to slowly learn to appreciate more is the value of live. Yeah. Because right. I'm not saying they can't descript or or monkey with something live, and sure they'll be able to, but at least for the time being, it's going to be a lot harder. You know, I've often yeah. thought, let's say I'm a let's say I'm a politician, and there's a reporter standing in front of me who's hostile. Mm-hmm. Okay, and standing over that reporter's shoulder is the cameraman, who has the camera trained on my face. And the hostile reporter asks me something, trying to trick me into saying something I don't want to say, right? Mm -hmm. I've often thought that you, and and I should say, historically, I thought that you, as that politician, should just listen and smile when they ask you that question, and then say whatever you want to say. Now, they do that to a certain degree now, right? Mm -hmm. Tell me. You know, you know, did you have sexual relations with that woman? What I and then, you know, you they ask the question and then you say, I'm really looking forward to improving the economy in my next term. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. just say whatever you want, because the cameraman doesn't see the reporter. Yeah. And you could just say, she never said that. That tape's been doctored. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, now, unfortunately, there's going to be half a dozen other people standing around with their phones pointing to the whole thing where you can't fake that. But right. historically, there was probably a camera, maybe a couple. Just as long as the camera doesn't see that girl's or that reporter's lips talking, you say whatever you want, and I'm just going to answer it however I want. I think you know? I think there's a there's a, a you know a billion dollar business opportunity for whatever corporation that decides to incorporate some bulletproof verification certification fake diagnostics yeah 
Yeah, sure. so that you can get maybe you get a badge on the bottom of the screen that says certified real or something because it's going to get to the level where it's fake is indistinguishable from real. But then people are going to want to know the, the com- that company that certifies that, are they in a red <laughs> state or a blue state? Exactly. Or are they Russian, right? <laughs> a red county, blue county. I need to know. Uh, is that from Berkeley uh, or is that from Westsack? <laughs> Man, that's so crazy. It's so much stuff. So much stuff. But it's fun, right? I mean, that stuff is scary, but the whole world of all this stuff is changing. Like when you I mean, I'm really anxious to see what you think about Descript when you look at it uh, from an editor's standpoint. Because I'm, I'm considering using it because like this week in photo and the audio podcast, right? Yeah. I'm like, wow, I could I could look and sound brilliant. Plus, I'll have a a, a, a generated transcript that I can use and you what's know, the, what's, but, not to but what's like? the cost or what are you paying like 35 cents a minute or something? No, it's not. It's, it's an annual fee. I'm, I'm going to look at the pricing page here. So here's, here's pricing. Uh, so they got the free trial and then the creator, which is 10 hours of transcription a month. So that's enough for your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Four podcasts in an hour each, you know, you're not touching that. And then, but you go up to the pro level, that's when you get the overdub technology here. So that's when it, you know, you get to train it and insert your voice and all that. Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. It's really interesting. And this one, yeah, 30 hours. I don't know when I'd ever need 30 hours of transcription, but. Well, when you, when you're, when uh, uh, Frederick Van Johnson Industries gets bigger than Leo Laporte, that's when. Yeah, I think. But I think before it gets to that point, it would have pivoted into something completely different. <laughs> so I don't think Leo Leo is a an inspiration, a hundred percent. But I don't think he's the north star of where I want to go. He's already <laughs> done that. Why do I want to go there? Right. So no kidding. I want to build a house. I don't want to move into a house that somebody else built. So he's already the pod father. No, 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 no. He's not the pod father. The pod father is Adam Curry. Oh, that's right. Oh, Adam Curry literally invented podcasting with he did. uh, Dave Weiner. Sorry, Adam. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You are the pod. Don't don't rewrite. Don't rewrite history. I cannot. You're right. I used to listen to the to Adam's podcast. Is he still doing that show? Which one? Remember that guy? He was doing a show. God, he did a show for a long time called The Daily Source Code. Daily Source Code, yes. That's the one I was listening to. And then he his, did another one that was like really kind of, uh, I don't know, right-wingy or some kind. It was kind of weird and polarizing and too political. I think I watched a couple of episodes of it. And it was just like, it, you know, it doesn't agree with me, but it was just like too conspiratorial and all this stuff. And I was like, you know what? I, if I want to see that, I can turn on the news. So... So, you know, the, but his source code was cool. I'm gonna get there's your edit point if you want to cut this out. Source code was, was cool. So right, I'm pausing right now. Please record it. Okay. Okay, we're recording you, again. You can decide if you don't want to use it, but I just yeah. wanted to give you the edit point there. So I'm actually a huge fan of the No Agenda show. That's and, and the I, one. And I will defend it briefly. So the No Agenda show started in 2007, I believe. And it was a byproduct of him, and, uh, Adam, and John C. Dvorak working together at a company called Mebio in San Francisco. And they used to go out to dinner and just sit and chat. And they, one day they said, we should record these conversations. And in the beginning, it was just them, you know, musing on the world. Um, With no agenda. 
with no agenda. Now, mm-hmm. it has become, it has grown and evolved into something different than that origin. But the core thing of what the No Agenda podcast is, is that it is two guys with obvious tech backgrounds looking at the news and looking at the news as delivered by multiple news outlets and then deconstructing it mm-hmm. and saying, mm-hmm. oh, okay, well, this was said on this newscast, but let's look at who's, who's advertising on that show. And this was said on this newscast, and let's look who's advertising there. And then you start seeing patterns and you start seeing that certain networks lean one way or a little bit different. And I'm not talking about Fox and CNN leaning. I'm talking about like little things like like uh, John C. Dvorak uh, in 2012, I think, had a had a website going where he was uh, in the lead up to the election where he was making. He was saying, oh, well, NBC is obviously pro this, this candidate and CBS leans here and ABC. But but what they're really good at is taking apart the news and also and as an as Americans, we're not good at this, looking at news from around the world. Yeah. yeah. And taking it, taking it all apart and seeing what's really going on. I will tell you, I have 100 percent given up on listening to the mainstream media news anymore. What I'd much rather do is to continue to pay those guys to read the news for me, listen to the news for me. I mean, these guys listen to hours of C-SPAN a week to get, Mm. you know, I was talking about getting at it live Mm -hmm. and they're getting the real deal and then they break it down and they show you what's actually happening. And I got news for you. It's a lot different than what you hear listening to CNN or Fox or CBS, um, it's yeah, it's an I astonishing listening to look them. at the news. I stopped listening. I think it was during the the uh, the election cycle. You know when Trump got elected, it was like because you know you remember how hot it got towards the end there. It oh, was totally. just like mud slinging and hate and this and you know it was just it was just. Yeah, it was too much. I stopped listening to all news and I cut out all political podcasts and I stopped. I muted people that were grandstanding on Facebook. You know, it was like, I don't, you should I just, just mute Facebook. Your life will be better. Um, totally one of the things to. that they talk about, one of the things that they talk about is and, and I got to agree, is that their mission is to take take apart the news and explain it. Because of that. What has the news been for the last four years? It's been about, let's tear down Donald Trump. Let's expose mm-hmm. Donald Trump. Let's talk about mm-hmm. Donald Trump. Let's explain what a monkey ass hat Donald Trump is. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's what they talk about. They'll, they'll go through it. They'll explain it. And they'll, and they'll show times when he's being misquoted. Or, um, I love this phrase, you're being accurate, but not precise. Ugh. Yes, yeah. he said that, but he said a lot more too, you know. Right. And they'll yeah. and they'll lay that stuff out. And when and the problem is, is if you do that, you're immediately labeled a Trump apologist. And yeah, all they're I mean, doing is looking at the That's the problem, though, right? That's the that's true. That's the problem, though, because I think 
life was much simpler when you and I were growing up, right? Because it was you could trust the news. Whatever they told you is what happened. You maybe know, it wasn't. Maybe well, I think well, in well, all honesty, well, the, though, it probably wasn't. But we we thought you could trust Ted Brokaw and all those people that were telling Tom, you the news, right? Or whatever, Mr. Brokaw. <laughs> yeah, we thought we could trust them, and it was like the news is coming on. They said A, B, and C happened. Oh crap! Okay, A, B, C happened. Um, now. We, I don't feel like we have, maybe maybe no agenda is it, but I don't feel like we have a trusted source. We have biased Absolutely. news on Absolutely. both sides. We like Podcasts, but it's just a world of bias, which means if there's so much bias out there, you can't trust anybody. So then that leads to stress because you don't know what the hell is going on in the world. So, And if you want to get That's ahead at anything... Yeah, you can't spend all your time doing what what uh, Dvorak and and uh, Curry do, sifting through the tea leaves and trying to make sense of it. No one has time for that, right? <laughs> so, I don't even. So I don't even have enough time to actually listen to. They produce six hours a week, two three hour shows oh, a week. Jeez. And now wow. about four hours of that is actually reporting, or what they call media deconstruction. Quite mm-hmm. a bit of it is them thinking. They're sponsors and they don't. And here's the thing. They don't have sponsors. They are funded solely on people sending them money. If you were to send them money and say, hey, I love the show. You know, please uh, tell my wife I think she's she's beautiful and uh, I'm the luckiest guy on the planet. They'll say, "Okay, so this is coming in from Chris Fenwick and he wants to say that he thinks his wife is beautiful and he's the luckiest guy on the planet. And Chris, thanks. Thanks for the hundred dollars to help support the show. They spend quite a bit of time in every episode thanking the the listening the listeners. Hmm. And they've they've even oh. gone one step further to call those listeners producers. Because what does a producer do? Well, they pay for everything. Yeah. And so yeah. we're producers now. If you listen to the show, you're a producer. And they get like a that. lot of input. Like they have listeners in every one of the three-letter uh, agencies in, in DC, they have people that work on nuclear subs that are listeners, uh, or producers. They have people in all, every branch of government, every branch of the military. Are they audio only or are they doing video? Audio audio? only. No, no, no. They don't want to do video, but mostly because Adam, Adam has a, a, um, a bit of Tourette's that it manifests itself in weird ticks and he hates Mm -hmm. seeing himself on camera, which is weird because, you know, we all know him from MTV, but yeah, 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 absolutely. It, absolutely. I gotta say, I gotta say, I, I get the complaints that people have. I do, I do understand that. But I've listened to them extensively for the last thirteen years, extensively, and I gotta say, it's the only source of news I even remotely trust. Wow. Say what you, you think will they about got the, what? What did? Uh, what did? Um, what was that deal Joe Rogan signed with? With was it Spotify? Didn't he get like five hundred million dollars or something? Bazillion dollars, but he had to move to Texas to get it or something. Yeah. <laughs> the check was yeah. in Texas. No, I yes. think I think that's awesome. I wonder. Yeah. I wonder why they didn't get that kind of funding, and would they have taken it? Oh, to move because that show Rogan to is a powerhouse. Rogan is a it, Rogan are too. Thirteen on, years. Come on. No, 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 no. They don't have the listeners. Rogan mm, has a yeah. giant audience. A yeah. giant, he's yeah. he Joe Rogan is the Johnny Carson of our era. He of is. this of this era. Yeah. Somebody yeah. somebody goes on Rogan, everybody knows about it. That's Everybody's true. Everybody's seen is true. Elon Smoke Show. Yep. You know, I mean he's yep. he's a monster. 
and he has a very simple format. He just talks and asks questions. He yeah, actually like listens, that. and he doesn't have to be interrupted by stupid commercial breaks for you know more pills and pharmaceuticals to pay for everything. So he can let he can let a di- there's nothing more frustrating than watching a good discussion. As I say this, you're thinking, yeah, we got to get out of here. But watching no. a good conversation have to get cut off. Hey, Chris, let me let me pause you right there. We got to take a commercial break real quick. <laughs> That's it. You'd be smart. We'll be right exactly. back after these messages from Pfizer. <laughs> It's so no crazy. Kidding. I know. I, I love that model, though. I mean, you know, we, we got Yeah, we'll wrap this up. But, you know, this the the whole podcasting model, uh, you know, even even above YouTube, I think, is really, really interesting to me. You know, it's just the way the the democratization of opinions, you know, whether you agree with them or not, the fact that the gate is open and they can be out there is just like the definition of free speech. So I love it. I love it. Well, it's cool, awesome. Chris Fenwick, if, uh, if people want to catch up with you and um, follow you or hire you or otherwise harass you, where should they go? Well, if you want to hire me, go to sliceeditorial.com. If you want to hear my uh, ridiculous musings about our industry, it would be Chris Fenwick on Twitter. And if you just want to see my woodworking stuff and family stuff, that's purely just my personal life. That's on uh, Instagram. I guess it's not that personal if I put it on Instagram, is it? No, it's not. And it's uh, Chris Fenwick on Instagram. I'm Chris Chris Fenwick on everything. Awesome. Cool, man. Thank you for doing this. We got to do this again. Let's make this a regular occurrence. This could be every Every five to six years, no matter what's happening. No, no, no. Five to six weeks or something. Yeah, this has to be our little personal, you know, bite on no agenda. So we'll do it. Who's you don't have you? to use any of you don't have to use any of that stuff if you don't want to use it. I, I understand. No, I'm using but, it all. Dude, oh, you know the 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 twip flow is is a non-edited stream of consciousness. So, you know, my audiences are me. They know what I know. So All right, all cool. Good. All right, man. Well, you have a good weekend and uh be safe. You're you're in Sacramento now, did you say? Yeah, I'm living in uh Rancho Cordova. I, oh, I know exactly where that past is. Year. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep, I know exactly where you are. Well, be safe up there and uh, enjoy that heat today. (laughs) Hit 100, going to be in the pool later. It's it's a little toasty. All right, Chris Fenway, you take care, man. Thanks a lot. See you later, man. This is Twitter.